0: The following podcast is a Clutch Media production.
1: Welcome to They Get It. My name's Kelsey, and my co-host Emma and I love direct-to-consumer brands. Whether it's an amazing customer experience or a really killer social strategy, this podcast will feature the brands and founders who just get it.
2: Welcome back to another episode. Today, we have Hannah from IE, and there's just lots of cool stuff to this story. I think the biggest thing I took away was that they're focusing on being where their customers are, and before COVID hit, they really prided themselves on providing a great customer experience in store, and I think they've done such a good job at not only pivoting their customer experience to digital, but also their product offerings. Yeah, I mean, it's just so obvious that
1: the customer is at the center of everything they do. Like Emma and I, we, we were talking about this just a second ago, but there's such an obvious line to draw between you know, a product manager in tech. They go straight to that end user. They identify problems that this person's having, and then they build solutions specifically for those problems. I think back to when Hannah was talking about you know, identifying that COVID was a thing because her sister was in Korea before it really hit in North America and then was thinking about the customer and like what they're going to need. And so pivoting from selling handbags into focusing more on hair accessories and mask accessories, it's just it a really cool
2: turn of events. I think they're very very smart in how they run their business. And I think that's why they've had success. I mean, their products are super beautiful and I'm sure, you know, they would fly off the shelves either way. But I think that attention to the customer experience really is what helps this brand stand out. So lots of good stuff in this episode. Let's get right into it. Let's do it. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for being here today. We're so excited to learn more about you and the business you've built with your sisters and your mom. It's such a cool story. And I think to start off, um, it'd be great to give our listeners a bit of an overview of um, how you came up with IE, um, how you've built this business, and yeah, the combination between Seoul and Toronto and just all of that. It would be great if you could give an overview. Yes,
0: thank you so much for having me. And um, I hope that I could speak for my two sisters and my mom. I started a couple of years ago. Um, my sisters and I and our our mom, you know, we always knew we wanted to do something together. and you know, growing up, we always had fashion in our in our house. and my parents immigrated from Seoul, South Korea to Toronto in the 1970s. and you know, growing up, my fondest memory was, you know, Sunday night television, fashion television with Jeannie Becker with my mom
2: and yeah, my
0: sister. Joanna wasn't born yet, so my sister and I and my mom. And uh, sometimes my grandma would join us watching it, but it was kind of like a ritual we did every Sunday night. And I feel it like from my mom, it was the Canadian fashion connection she had with culture in Canada. She was able to connect in that way um you know being an immigrant and she le- i feel like she learned culture that way you know and we mm-hmm. always had the latest Chatelaine lying around and mm-hmm. the latest in style in the vogue and so fashion was like always kind of like around us you know and I mean, we always knew we wanted to do something together, but we just didn't know what. And, you know, we we kind of went our own ways and did our own thing. And then we came to a point in our lives where an opportunity was given to us. And I actually, I don't think I shared this with you guys, but I was diagnosed with a tumor and um, I had to leave my work. I was forced to leave my
1: work. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. Oh wow! And I had
0: to get chemotherapy and, and it's called, I, so I had a desmoid fibromatosis. Okay. And it's basically, it's non, um, it's a fast growing tumor and it was on my, <gasps> one of my nerves on my hips and they weren't, oh my yeah, God. they weren't able to cut it out. The good thing is it wasn't, um, uh, what's the opposite of benign? Metastasis. Yes. It's not, Metastasis? it's not that it was, benign. yeah. But it was fast growing and so they weren't they weren't able to cut it out or and then I would lose my wow. sensation on my legs. So I had to do something called low dose chemo for two years. And wow. four years ago when they first told me, I was like, What's low dose chemo? And mm-hmm. my doctor was like, You can do everything normal. You know, you just go in once a week and get a little bag and then you'll be fine. Well, it was not like that at all. It was it was very, very hard on my body. And um, I'd be out for as soon as I get my chemo every Wednesday um, oh, at Princess yeah. Margaret. I love, I love, love, love Princess Margaret. Um, mm-hmm. he, yeah, I, I'd go there every Wednesday, get my, my dose, and then I'd be in bed for three days because I just could not handle it. So um, my mom felt like she, I, I needed to do something at home. Right. Cause I was just at home. I was, you know, up until yeah. working, mm-hmm. working, working. And then everything was like gone and I had to stay home. And so my sisters and my mom were just kind of like, Oh, what could she do? And then, you know, on my mom's um, yearly trips to Seoul, um, she came, she was actually searching for something to do on her own and then hmm. realized there there was this opportunity she met with some artisans in seoul and she went to the production it's a a long story and i'll I'll just cut it in a nutshell and and (laughs) she brought this idea to us and we were i was so excited and my sisters were so excited because this was something i could do at home and just for fun you know and Mm -hmm. you know we love fashion and we love our accessories and And so my mom was like, let's just do this for fun. And let's see, you know, let's let's take this mind off of, you know, this thing off of your mind, right? Uh, The tumor. And so then that's how it started. And then we actually landed a contract with a very big Canadian designer and we private labeled her bags and she did very well. Amazing. Yeah, And we learned so much through the process. And during that time, actually, we were thinking of already creating our own label, but in a very small batch, um, kind of like, um, because we had access to production, and we didn't, we never, never, never wanted to mass produce, because we never wanted to be wasteful, and also, we, yeah, we you know, it just didn't make sense to us, so we wanted to do something of fun on the side, so that's when we started, um, that's how IE was born.
1: Ah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I actually, I've got a question because I know everyone reacts differently to treatment, of course, yes. but you, like your body's going through so much. You're exhausted. Your mom brings you this idea. Are you excited? Like, what was that yeah. moment like? You know,
0: you. it's, it's crazy how powerful the mind is. That's why I'm Such a strong believer that mental health is so important and needs to be really addressed because I was going down a very deep hole and Mm -hmm. home doing nothing, watching TV, mindless TV, being on the internet, it was not good for me at all. And this distraction, it literally, your passion overrides all. I mean, I can't say this for everyone, but from my experience, I really I would the day I would get my therapy before this passion came up I would be lying in my bed but when this passion started I would be on the computer with my sisters like talking about fabric talking about and you know it just took my mind off of how I was feeling I don't know if that makes sense but and I even remember our first huge event with um CAFA, Canadian, um, with Canadian Fashion Group, and with Vicky Milner, we they did a joint um, pop up. I would say with um, La Closette, which is another stylist, um, a style group. They did a event, a pop up event, and that was the day I actually had to get treatment. And I would, my sisters were like, don't worry, we'll do this. You stay home. And I was like, no, I want to be there. And oh. I got treatment in the morning. I got got myself ready and we stayed till like 11 o'clock and I was fine. You know, wow. I'd come home and pass out and I would, the next day I was like tired and stuff. But, you know, it was just such a, it was, it's just, yeah, I, I can't even imagine What I would have done if I didn't have this.
2: Wow! It took me
0: through the whole. Wow. Yeah.
2: Well, I think that's a theme that we're seeing come up as we speak to more and more founders is that Mm -hmm. their entrepreneurship journey was born out of struggle and them wanting to, you know, build something for themselves. And I just think it's so admirable. And I mean, I'm not surprised to hear that it was helpful because it is such a a motivating thing. So kudos to you. And yeah. Big times. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't have
0: done it with my, out, my sisters and my mom. And yeah, I'm just so grateful for that that time and, you know, where it's, where we've come from, from that time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the, no the community aspect, even just being with your family and feeling like you're working towards a common purpose is massive, whether it's family, whether it's other entrepreneurs. I just feel like that support mechanism is so powerful. When your mom brought this idea to you, did you know that you were going to private label? Like, was that an approach you guys had discussed prior to the opportunity falling into your lap? No,
0: no, no. We actually started wholesaling first. Because, oh, interesting. Yeah, because the production is actually my aunt's production, my mom's cousin in Seoul. Okay. That's how we, we had, you know, uh, really easy access to it. And my mom was able to go see it and everything. And um, so that's how we started. We started, um, actually, our first collection, most of it was with her designers.
1: And, Amazing.
0: Yeah, so that's how we started um, wholesaling. And then it was doing really well. We, we, we did a few shops around Canada, a lot in Quebec. And, um, at the time it, it, we, we just, we just did it under like just a Korean brand and because it was my pants. Mm-hmm. but then, you know, um, in walked this designer to our booth at the, um, the trade show. And then mm-hmm. that's how it started. And we felt like, you know, when she brought the idea to us, we knew we could do it because we saw the production, you know, my mom saw the production and she's like, for sure we could do it. So. Right. Uh, that's how it all started and then a lot of trips to Korea after that yes. we had to really be involved in everything and that really um yeah, taught us a lot. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, now it's your name on it, right? Yeah. Like it's a whole new level. And so I think you just answered the question that I was going to bring up next. When it comes to leading with wholesale, right? That's a completely different ballgame yeah. than a lot of our listeners are used to with this whole digitally native, running ads, that type of thing. Really, when it comes to launching a wholesale business, it is trade show heavy. Yes,
0: yes, 100%. So I mean, this was like five years ago, right? So um, it, was, it was just... Yeah, going year after year to a couple of trade shows, it was
1: it was it was tough, Hmm. but it was worth it. Yeah. Right. And just building those relationships for sure.
2: Something I'm curious about. Mm -hmm. So it's your mom and your two sisters running this business, which is so cool. Um, What has that been like working with your family and what do each of you bring to the table? Like, how do you split up how you run the business?
0: So I can't say that it was easy from the beginning, because Hmm. I mean, I don't know if you guys have sisters, but, um, okay. So I'm the oldest and my other sister, second sister, Rebecca, she's three years younger than I am. And then Joanna is 16 years younger than I am. And my mom is quite young because, um, she's only 63 because she had me when she was twenty three. She, oh my goodness, yeah. So she married very young, and it was normal yeah. for um, that time period in Korean culture back in Seoul. So she had me when she was very young, and so she, um, yeah. We've always, you know, um, we. I feel like we each bring something to the table that is really interesting because of our age and also our characteristics about you know the character that we are, and. Yeah, it wasn't easy at first because, you know, having a relationship is one thing, right? But business is something Mm -hmm. else, right? Right. And so we, Mm -hmm. I feel like we really worked through a lot of the difficult scenarios, I want to call them, um, Mm -hmm. at the beginning before I was born, which was great because once I, I happened, it was just go, 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 go. And my sister moved to Seoul when um, I started. So it just, um, I feel like we worked through a lot of our our struggles. And I think one thing for sure is that because you're family, you, you can't just fire someone, right? Right. Yeah. And just say, okay, I'm never talking to you again. Goodbye. You know, with a business partner. You got to make it work. Yeah. It's, you have to make it work. And, the, the beauty about it is, and I know this sounds kind of funny, but you know, with sisters, you can just hate each other one day and then the next thing you pick it up <laughs> and you're like, okay, so what's next? Right? Yeah. So it's always been like that, especially between my sister Rebecca and I, because we're so close in age. Um, mm-hmm. Growing up, we fought so much over clothes and you know, whatnot. And it just, the next day it would just be normal. Right. So it yeah. kind of spilled over to our business relationship and, um, it we've come a long way. And I feel like, I feel like because we know our role in the business, um, we're able to just respect each other in terms of, okay, that's your, you got that and I'll, I'll make sure I do my role properly. Right. With my sisters, um, my youngest sister, Joanna, she's the millennial. And so she is the social media guru and she knows everything like the latest, you know, who's doing what on social media. And, you know, she doesn't, she's not married. So she has lots of time. She has no kids, no, no, commitments, no. she has a lot of, um, time on her hands, I would say to just, um, yeah, be really, uh, knowledgeable in that area. And so she does most of that. And she also her and I split the retail part of it here in Toronto. And Mm -hmm. we take care of that. And then my sister Rebecca, who's my second sister, she runs the entire production in Seoul, South Korea. So she works very closely with um, all the makers. And um, that's one thing about our business that's very different. I feel like because my sister is there she has a relationship with all the makers and you know the person that we're getting the fabric from you know the person we're buying the hardware from like we have a very close relationship with each and one of them and so my sister is very good at that she's very good she she um uh, she is a person that you know um really adapts well to Korean culture because even though we were all born here in Toronto, my sister Rebecca was always kind of known as the the Korean one in the family because she, <laughs> yeah, she was always fluent in the language. You know, her boyfriends were always from Korea. Ah,
1: so it just kind of made sense. Yeah. So
0: it just, it just so happened she moved and um, yeah, so she runs the production side and knows, um, works with that and then for me I just oversee everything I do the business part of it with the financing and you know all that stuff I deal with that and I help Joanna with the retail and my mom basically is because she studied fine art she's very um well in tuned with you know fabric colors and what what colors match together and you know a lot of the times people ask us like oh how do you know what colors are going to be up and coming and what are Mm -hmm. we actually don't follow Mm -hmm. the trends we kind of go with what our mom is suggesting and mom knows best yeah right (laughs) yeah yeah and yeah so we we do we go with what we like and what we would wear Mm -hmm. so with my mom she's very she has a really good eye and you know our house is just covered in her her artwork and Mm -hmm. so she's just yeah she's she makes all the decisions in terms of like you know the design and um the colors and the hardware and you know what what you know uh bag we'll be working on next or what accessory so my mom does mostly that yeah
1: Oh, I love it. I mean, everyone kind of has their lane, and it just works out really well. I feel like you are kind of a jack of all trades. Yeah. You seem like you have a lot yeah. of loose ends that you pick up. One thing I'm curious about, like if you go onto your website, the first thing you see is this idea of sustainable luxury, yeah. right? Like that's something that you see throughout the entire brand, yeah. whether it's on social or or otherwise. What does that mean exactly, and how does that play into your production philosophy?
0: Yes, so sustainability, I feel more and more is becoming so critical. And because my sisters and I grew up here in Canada, you know, I feel like Canada's on the, you know, forefront in terms of, you know, when we're young, we learned about how important it is to preserve our earth. You know, we have so much beauty in Canada. Right. And, you know, we learn about recycling and, you know, all these things. And I feel like we grew up with it it's ingrained in our minds. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So, I mean, I can't say that I was a sustainable person growing up because even though you're taught all these things, it doesn't really click <laughs> until after, right? Yeah, and, and it's I fear
2: not to be right. Like our society is kind of built in a way that isn't sustainable. Yeah.
0: Yes, and I feel like for my sister, second sister, and I especially, it changed when we had children because you <laughs> start thinking about what can, what kind of world are we going to leave our children, <laughs> right? <laughs> And you want to leave a beautiful, you know, Canada for them, right? And so we, um, that started, you know, playing in our minds. And we grew up with loving luxury fashion. You know, my sister and I would save up all our pennies and everything in high school to buy like our, you know, the Louis Vuitton pochette, you know, (laughs) crazy, you know, we wouldn't eat and we would just save up our money and, you know, and it was crazy. And even when we're in university, um, you know, our dad was super supportive of our education, which was so great. But then my sister and I would work in retail so that we could buy stuff. Oh, yeah. Right? I did the yes. same. <laughs> so it was just it's this ongoing process of just, you know, sharing stuff and my taking stuff from my mom. And, you know, my mom actually really loves vintage. So for my mom, it's different. I feel like we learned that part of it from our mom is like, if you have a really nice piece of, you know, whatever jewelry, accessory, or a bag or whatnot, clothing, it lasts for a very long time. And it's timeless, right. And so that part grew that we grew up with that part as well. And so for us, when we want when we launched this brand, we didn't want to just launch another bag company, or, you know, we wanted to wear something that we were proud of and that we we can contribute to this this society in a good way because you know we're always we're still gonna wear bags right we're still gonna you know buy the latest hairband or whatnot but you know that's one thing that my sisters and I didn't want to be is another fast fashion
1: Mm -hmm. um, yeah
0: right we wanted it to be affordable we wanted it to be sustainable and we wanted it to feel luxurious, even though our bags are vegan. Um, and that's another part of it that, you know, we wanted to do is um, vegan is becoming really big and you know, mm-hmm. we started learning about why my aunt uh, went into the vegan industries because um, there's so much, um, not just the killing of animals, but the staining of the leather and everything is so harmful to the environment. Mm-hmm. and. It- in Korea, um, the trend has been there for many decades. Vegan, so I feel like they're more ahead of the game, and so we learned a lot about that from our aunt. So, sustainability is very important to us, as well as you know the luxury component. So we try to think about those two elements when we bring out every piece to our collection.
2: Oh, that's so great, and I love that you do vegan products I love that that's a growing trend because yeah I mean I'm still new to learning about that space but everything I do learn about it it's it's hard to then want to go buy a new beautiful leather handbag like knowing what's behind it so yeah. yeah love that you're doing that and another question that's come up for me um We've seen that you've been featured in Elle and the Marilyn Dennis show. So we're wondering how you seek out these PR opportunities and what that strategy looks like, or is there a strategy? Does it just happen?
0: Well, I mean, at the, in the beginning, you know, people ask us that all the time. And in the beginning, um, we just, I mean, the only thing that I would say, I thought about this when I, I read the questions, I, I feel like the only thing that we did was just follow the show's like their pictures mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. watch their shows, comment on it genuinely. And obviously it's always a goal. And um, you know, it's a treat when they ask us to do something. And, you know, one thing for sure is we have in Toronto, especially we have amazing stylists that are very strong supporters of Canadian fashion. So I feel yeah. like that's, that was, that was an important component too. Right. And so, I don't. We didn't necessarily do anything like we never had a PR company at that time. Um, Actually, we just recently hired somebody to work with us um, in PR, just because not 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 to seek out opportunities like that, but to tell our story properly. Yeah. (laughs) My sisters and I, we feel like we've been here for two years now, but people don't really know our our story, right? Mm -hmm. We didn't really do. A good job of telling it so that's why we we are working with somebody right now but yeah in terms of um PR opportunities I mean we just kept putting ourselves out there and trying to create you know uh, content that we would get noticed
1: from right Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and I think I think it's also probably coming back to the fact that your products are just beautiful (laughs) and they do speak for themselves and so it's no surprise that when a stylist does catch wind of your products it you know, it's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. I am curious, though, on this whole idea of PR and telling your story. How did you come to the realization that your story needed to be told? And then, how did you go about finding someone to help with PR?
0: Well, first of all, everyone says AI, so you already yeah. know, <laughs> uh, yeah. right? Um, but um, so that was a you know a, a given. And then we feel like, um, I mean, we we I guess we never thought we had to tell our story maybe that's why and okay but now people are more curious about you know who's doing these who is you know ai right and mm-hmm. and yeah so i feel like we are at a point where you know we want people to know who we are because um yeah and so that's why we decided to well i mean the person that we why well, we work with kate kate mackinson now And she's an amazing person, amazing, amazing woman. And um, how we found her was just through word of mouth. And yeah, we were very, very thrilled to be working with her.
1: Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. The the PR component, I don't think anyone realizes just how important that is. And like Emma and I are even thinking about it for our own business. And it's not even so much about like you said, the um the opportunities that it lands you, but like what strategic partners would make sense, right? To tell that story and to make sure that it's consistent. Because I think something that's so wrong with the fast fashion industry is that there isn't a story, and it really is about making cheap trendy clothes quickly. And if you want to be a sustainable brand, people need to fall in love with the entire picture, the products, the story, Mm -hmm. the customer experience. And I just think you guys are going about it in the right way. Yes,
0: that's so true. I, I think that you're bang on with that.
1: Yeah. Well, that's exciting and so now we can talk a little bit more about the bag development process obviously your mom has an amazing eye and she just knows what's coming before it's trendy which is i don't know a whole gift in its own when it comes to developing a new product what does that process look like
0: um so it always begins with a talk with my mom and my sisters and we'll be talking 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 all the time about you know different things my mom would talk to joanna and then Joanna would talk to me and then it would just be like this crazy circling back and forth. And then uh, and then um, my mom would put it in a sketch. And then because she's not able to go to Korea right now, before she would go to Korea and meet my sister, stay there for about a month and a half, she would stay. Wow. Yeah. And then my sister and my mom would work very closely with the makers there and um, they would make a prototype and then my sister would, you know, we always test our prototype. So she'd wear it for a few weeks. My mom would wear it for a few weeks. And then we'd start looking at, is this the right material? Mm. Oh, before that, my sister would go and source. Um, in Korea, it's so fun. You there's, the, it, there's this one fashion district where you just walk along and there's like rules and rules and rules of different types of vegan leather, you know. Oh, that's cool. oh. yeah it's so fun and and then you go to another street right beside and then there's like different hundred different types of zippers and like like thousands of different types of hardware and then you'd go beside that and then you would get you would see like all these um tag makers and like it's just it's so fun so my sister Rebecca now knows kind of like our spots we have our spots now Mm -hmm. yeah and she will go source them and then um try it and test it and then once the prototype is good then we'll make a very small batch and then we kind of like test it out and then if it's good then we start reproducing it but one thing for sure is that we never ever um produce reproduce a bag if it's not not gonna do well because we never ever want to be wasteful we we always get like a one-off bag or like a few bags that are not doing well and then are not um produced properly and then you know we'll gift them or something but Hmm. never ever um had access bags just lying around because you know Mm -hmm. sold we always that's why on our website you'll see that a lot of things sell out because we we want it to sell out we never ever want it to just be sitting there on our shelves right
2: and so when you talk about you know products that aren't meeting your standards what are those things you look for um, when you're deciding whether or not to move forward with it
0: um well the comfort is number one does it look good Um, Maybe something is off, like the hardware. You know, we we there are small details that people actually don't realize. Like, you know, even with hardware, the hook on, on a on a strap it could be square. It can be oval. It could be round. It could be like a weird, like a half a heart shape. There's so many different ways and color, right? Metals, right? There's chrome, there's rose gold, there's gold, there's silver. So, and then there's the weight of the, the hardware too. Like there's a light one, there's a medium heavy. So we take that all into consideration and everything has to be absolutely perfect because you don't want a heavy bag because the hardware looks amazing, but it's like a hundred pounds, right? So those are all things we, um, we play around with. And if something's not good, then we go back and change it. And then, yeah.
1: Oh, interesting. And this whole idea of, of small batches, right? What does that actually mean in terms of producing inventory, shipping from Korea to Canada um, or wherever your distribution center is and actually selling through that product? Like how how many bags are in a small batch and how frequently are you producing? Uh, so
0: always we started with 50 in a batch. Okay. Per yes. color. Um, but now we've increased significantly but that's our, that's our minimum. Um, well, actually I could say maybe it's a hundred now, I would say with yeah. bags. Yeah. Cause now we're busier, but when we first started, it was 50. And although that sounds really small, like because we have different colors, um, oh, yeah. yeah, we, we, we started with that, but now we're, uh, our minimum, um, order is much higher, but we always start with that. And then if we find that, like, just say we ordered a bag, 200 of them, then and it's like so slow like oh for example covid um
1: oh my goodness yeah, yeah.
0: we ordered um we ordered a certain bag i don't want to say we ordered quite a bit because the demand was just skyrocketing
2: mm-hmm. and
0: um thankfully like you know because of christmas people have now started to look at bags again but you know the beginning of covid was tough because we were not selling any bags yeah we were selling hair accessories Because people were on Zoom and people wanted to feel good at home. So Mm. people weren't going out. So that was tough. But, you know, that that taught us a lot and that we shouldn't just kind of, you know, we have to know how to scale back right? Yeah. And so that was a learning process.
1: Oh man. I mean, COVID, first of all, you have to be kind to yourself. COVID was a learning process for everybody, regardless of industry and product type. But one thing I actually found really interesting, and I think how I first, I think how I first came across IE um, online was because you have these amazing chains that are your mask clips. Mm -hmm right? They're beautiful. And your aesthetic with them is just so amazing. Like you do a really good job painting the picture of what it looks like with the full outfit. Uh, but I just found that was so interesting because you obviously had to pivot. That's a completely new product type. Yeah. And you would launched that really quickly. What was it like adjusting to COVID and launching literally a whole new line of products?
0: So when COVID hit for us in March, it wasn't a surprise for us, our family, because my sister in Seoul was already going through it in January. Totally. And yes. And in Korea and in, in any um, Asian country, mask is a norm. So masks have always been around there, but my sister was telling us to start preparing that we might have to start thinking about um, wearing masks here in Canada. then mm-hmm. I just thought, oh my gosh, you know, That's crazy. But then the more we thought about it, you know, we're discussing this every day. We thought, you know what, this might become something we have to we have to bring in, you know, because if Korea has this product already, we should we should look into bringing it in. So a part of us wanted to do it not just you know, for ourselves, but to give back to the community. And that was a huge mm-hmm. component of why we wanted to, because in January, my sister took two, almost two months searching for the best non medical mask. And mm-hmm. so we saw so many different ones. She tried so many different ones. And in the end, we were able to partner with Arrow Silver, which is an exclusive fabric to Seoul, Korea. And one of the productions there they have it. And so we were able to kind of work with them in terms of, because um, North American, you know, their their face shape and everything is so different than Korea, uh, Korean people, mm-hmm. Asian people. We had to, you know, work with that. And we were thinking about sizing and all that. So we, we ironed it out and we were able to bring them in right when things started getting very difficult here. And for us, I knew because I have, um, somebody in my family that works in the hospital you know medical masks were very very precious and you know mm-hmm. they were locked up in in um, cupboards and you know at the hospital and so we knew that there was going to be a need for the community to have non-medical masks so we quickly um, decided to give back one for one to every purchase so that people would you know i believe Canadians are good like that you know if they know that we're giving back to the community they they take that effort to be like you know what Mm -hmm. I want to buy they're giving back so we wanted to honor that and through that we were able to um, respond to so many organizations in Toronto like Young Street Mission and Toronto Western Hospital and you know different types of hospitals and clinics around Toronto that we were able to give um, to doctors and nurses around, yeah, Toronto. Oh, so that just felt amazing. really good for us. Yeah, we, we felt yeah. good. And then with the mask chains, you know, um, in Korea, it started trending because people, you, you don't want to touch your mask, right? Quit. And so, yeah. And so my sister knew um, an accessory designer because the current pearls that we have out right now is actually my uncle's factory, Who's one of the one of the original bead factories in South Korea? Wow! Yeah, he connected my sister with a lot of um, like accessory makers, like necklace makers and whatnot. So we were able to work with some really cool people that you know were able to kind of play around with different styles and. Whatnot. And we came up with our first chain, which just flew off the shelf. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, it just flew off. And it felt good because the piece that we made, we wanted to not only, you know, here's the sustainability part of it is that we didn't want just it to be for this time period we wanted it, it to yep. continue on you know after covid right because we're not going to be wearing masks forever so right. we added a ear lobe to it so that um like a sorry ear loop to it so that you could put your yep. glasses or your sunglasses on them
2: oh so sorry
0: totally.
2: yeah and so when you release these products mm-hmm. um were you finding that your average order value was increasing because people were adding these onto their purchases or was it more so that new people were discovering your brand um, and just coming in and, and buying those. So I guess, was it an acquisition um, play or was it more an average order value play?
0: Oh, it was um, new people were discovering us. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah. And you know, like I told you, it, uh, people weren't purchasing bags, right. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's why we also launched S at the same time. E, the E S S E means essentials, and we launched that because it's the it comes from the word essentials. Um, so we called it S, and you literally put the essentials: your card wallet, your keys, your phone, and that's it. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was flying off sure. the shelf because people wanted to be hands free. But other than that, our mask and our mask chains were, yeah, we were finding new customers. And it was so great because, yeah, we just got to know a lot of people through that. And
2: yeah, it's so cool that you were able to get ahead of it in a sense that you saw it coming, that you already had these great relationships in Korea and that it's already a norm there. I just think that's so cool how that worked out for you. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: I think one thing I learned during this time was you have to be really flexible and mm-hmm. you have to really respond to what's happening you know with your with your clientele right so obviously this is a pandemic so it's happening to everyone but that's why we really learned during this time to really fine tune our our minds and our like our vision to what the client needs and i think it really helped us to quickly change our you know business model because we never even thought about carrying these kind of accessories. Right. So yeah, I think that really helped and thank God all my sisters were on board to do it.
1: Totally. Well, I think listening to your customers is really, you know, important. I also think like opening your eyes and seeing what resources and, and like basically aids you have around you and making something out of that. Like one thing we're learning from a couple of other people that we've interviewed is that you don't need this like light bulb moment with a totally revolutionary business idea. Sometimes it's a matter of looking at your connections. And like you said, like your family already had so many of these access points and it's just a matter of capitalizing and, and bringing them into the brand that you've already developed. I think that's yes, really and,
0: You know, Yes. You and know, we grew up with playing with my uncle's beads and uh, it's funny. My uncle chuckled about it, you know, a couple months ago because he he was saying, you know, I never knew that you we would be working together, you know. And it's just like I know, yeah. isn't that weird? Because it was so funny. But we're so thankful that we had that that you know access to it. And you know, even with his pearls um, that he carries, it's one of the best quality. Um, pearls that will just last um, years and years and years. It's like, it, they're faux, but the quality of it is just incredible. And um, yeah. yeah, so we made the mask. We, we actually called it a, a pearl necklace because it's so beautiful that even though it's a mask chain, you could actually um, clip it together and just turn the, the clip behind you and it'll be a necklace. Yeah, literally, they're Uh, gorgeous. Yeah, my sister, my sister and I, we fiddled around with. Actually, my sister Rebecca and I worked on this one. Um, We fiddled around with so many different designs, and um, we made uh, it. You know, I don't know if you could see it on our website, but we designed it so that it kind of frames your face. So we look at different types mm-hmm. of
1: shapes. You're so intentional with every little detail. That's what I'm noticing. And maybe it's the ability um, of like shifting your focus and doing more small batch, but you guys are so detailed and every little piece is so thought out from like the naming of new collections to even like one thing you and I were talking about last time was how you are responsive on social and how the relationship that you build with your customers over you know social media is just massive I don't know I just think that's really special you know
0: I think that's important especially with our clients they've helped us out so much during the beginning stages Um, we actually changed for example our city tote because we had so many um, positive feedback about our City Tote because it's it's like a two-in-one bag, right? You get two bags for the price of one. It's this huge tote and then this amazing clutch inside. But... We had so much feedback about the magnetic closure and how it was a little bit annoying, and you know if we could get rid of it. And people didn't say it in in that way, but basically that was the gist of it. But we kept hearing this (laughs) feedback, and and so you know we were like, you know what, maybe we should just get rid of it. And that's the beauty of being close to you know our 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 clients and listening to them, and then having that access to you know the production and. we can switch it up, you know, and, and make it better. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: You talk a little bit about like listening to your customer and maintaining that connection. What does that actually look like in practice? What are your touch points in communication with customers? Yes.
0: So uh, socials are so important. We take every message, very, you know, my sister and I respond personally to every single message. Wow. What time of the day it is at midnight. We're, we're spotting like yesterday. We had a client, um, Email that came in at like eleven thirty p.m. and I'll respond right away because I, you know, that's that's where we are right now and we can do that, right? And I, Mm -hmm. I feel like giving that attention to clients means a lot to them, especially during this time. You know, it, it it means a lot to us that people are, you know, they're believing in us and that they're purchasing from us. Mm -hmm. we want to give back to them and give them that attention. And sometimes my sister will be on DM for an hour with a client because she has a question about, you know, one bag, right. And then Mm -hmm. the one bag question will turn into like how to style it or, you know, or, you know, adding on something to it. So it's very interesting how retail has um, evolved in a sense that, you know, um, this instant, messaging has you know changed our lives and our our way of doing business
2: i love the you know because i know providing a great customer experience is very important to you. And you can't maybe do that as much in store right now because of COVID. And so you've found a way to still keep that value in your business and just translate it to digital. And you're showing up where your customers are. You're making it easier for them to get information rather than having to go to your website and find an email and email you. They can just, they're already on Instagram. They can just message you there. And I think that's so smart. I have one final question for you, Hannah, which we ask everybody, which is who do you think gets it? So, what other entrepreneurs or designers or anything inspires you?
0: I don't. I hate dropping names, but I love you know the Nicks brand, and I love Joanna. Oh yeah, oh, Joanna. Yeah.
1: She's amazing. Yeah, and
0: I <laughs> I don't know her. I've never met her, but I just look up to her so much, and um, yeah. I, I feel like I'm learning a lot from her. And recently, I met Victoria Radford, and she is an amazing woman. Amazing woman, and I learn so much from her from the hour we spoke. And I, she's another like business woman that is in beauty, but yeah, yeah, I, I learned, I learned a lot from her and I, I, I know I'll continue to learn from her too. Um, yeah. And like, even, even some influencers, I, I really love, like, you know, something Navy is someone I really, really,
1: oh I'm mm-hmm. an Yeah. They do great on social. Yeah.
0: And just, you know, she's being, because she's a mom as well and she's been through some hardships too. I learned a lot uh, about how, you know, her, her character and how she, you know, persevered through her struggles this year and just kind of seeing who she is. I learned a lot from her as well. So I feel like we're so lucky to be in a world right now that we have access to all these amazing people that we, Mm -hmm. watch and learn from and i mean the list goes on right um i love jenny bird love love yes Yes. i love jenny bird and she's just such a cool mom too and um she she's a designer by by she never went to school for it she just learned herself which is amazing Mm -hmm. right and so i love her too watching her um I I, know, I don't really follow their I follow their brands, but I more follow the people, uh, which is.
1: Yeah. you know, Hannah, that's not uncommon. And so it just I have like a light bulb moment right now where you guys are investing in PR and telling your story. And I actually feel like you do a great job making your social, your own personal social, very relatable. And I just think that you're right. People fall in love with people. And it's not necessarily always about the product.
2: That's almost like a
1: cherry on top.
2: Yeah. And you are an amazing entrepreneur as well. And so inspiring learning more about you and your story. So yeah, you get oh. it. You're definitely somebody who gets it and we're so glad we got to chat with you. Yeah, thank you so much for being on, Hannah. Oh,
0: thank you so much for having me and really look forward to listening to more people.
1: Wow, okay. Hannah is, first of all, just like the sweetest human being on the planet. There were so many good nuggets. So many good nuggets from like focusing on the customer to how they're approaching the channels that they're selling through.
2: Just a lot to learn. Yeah, absolutely. And I think she's kind of a testament to the power of entrepreneurship, because, you know, her story of how she was sick, and this became her motivation. And it gave her something to do. And it it gave her this drive. I just think it it's a perfect example of how impactful the entrepreneurial journey can be. And yeah, what a thrill chatting with her. So thanks again, Hannah, for coming on. And to our listeners, if you like our content, the best thing you can do for us is to rate and review our podcast. It really, really helps us. So we appreciate all those ratings and reviews. And we will see you next week. See you next week.